Welcome to Real Christianity, where our mission is to bring the church back to the Bible. My name is Dale Partridge, and I'm the president of Relearn.org and Reformation Seminary. The premise of this show is simple. The culture is growing darker. The church is in need of sound doctrine, and many Christians are hungry for the truth. Join me here each week as we look to Scripture and discover what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to the show. As many of you know, these times have revealed the character of many men in the church. It has shown us the courageous and the cowards, the bold and the blind. Fortunately, trials, persecution, and political hostility make the dividing lines more clear. We can see who stands with the world or who stands with Christ. However, what has also been clarified is how few true biblical faithful ministers are actually out there. We've been made aware of a great need of more uh, mission-minded, gospel-focused, Bible-committed, righteous men in the ministry. As you know, our school, Reformation Seminary, aims to produce these very types of men. Two weeks ago, we had our first class Uh, graduate, and was ordained to gospel ministry. And these men will be planting biblical house churches in their local communities all over the world. During the graduation, I offered a 30-minute commencement speech, and I'd like to share that speech with you today. I've titled it, The Kind of Men the Church Needs. But before we play that recording, I wanted to make two brief announcements. Uh, First, we just launched the all-new Relearn.org store, and you can find a link at Relearn.org, or you can just go to shop.relearn.org. We have uh, a variety of different products in there uh, that promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Additionally, we're going to be adding new products each month, so go ahead and check back if there's not something in there that fits you. Uh, This is a great way for you also to support our ministry while getting a gospel-focused product at the same time. So please consider visiting the shop and consider buying a product for yourself, a family member, or a friend. Again, that's at shop.relearn.org. Secondly, as you know, we are nearing the end of the 2021 year. Uh, We are still short about $20,000 for 2022. We have raised uh, the vast majority of our budget, but we are still short. Uh, would you consider making a one-time donation or a monthly donation? You can do so at relearn.org forward slash donate. And just to be honest, uh, the monthly commitments, those of you who are giving 10 to $25 a month, it's what we need most. These type of commitments allow us to not only have easier planning for our ministry, but also offer us the most financial stability. Again, you can make a donation of any amount at relearn.org forward slash donate. On that note, here is my 2021 Reformation Seminary graduation commencement speech. Sometimes the best way uh, to teach a lesson is to tell a story. And I'm not going to tell a story about my life, but I'm going to tell a story about a man who lives a life that many of you uh, will live in a similar fashion. We are called to be missionaries. We're called to be evangelists, church planters. Uh, We are in it for the long haul. And I'd like to read you a story about a gentleman and his wife uh, 
who has entered into the ministry in the same way that you are about to enter the ministry, but this is almost 250 years ago. Adoniram Judson was born in the late 1700s, and he was the first American Protestant Christians to be sent out as a missionary. Uh, During the previous generations, the Catholic Church wasn't real big on missions. The mission movement boomed in the 16, 17, and 1800s. One of the first men to get out there and be a Protestant, Reformed, Christian man from America to be sent overseas is this gentleman, Adoniram Judson. Uh, He had a radical conversion uh, in his late teens, went into seminary. After he graduated seminary, he was offered a pastoral position in his hometown of Malden, Massachusetts. Now, his family was so excited to hear that he was offered a position as a pastor in the hometown where he would be with their family. And while his family was excited, his heart was not. His heart was actually set on the international mission field. He wanted to preach the gospel to a different culture all the way across the seas, which is a big deal in this generation. This means a boat. This means uh, being away from your family for years at a time. And before leaving the mission field, he fell in love with a young woman. He was about 20 years old, and her name was Anne Hasseline. His intention was to marry Anne before he went out to the mission field. He wanted to take with him a bride. He had heard all of the uh, previous missionaries talk about the value of having a wife with them in the mission field. He wanted to do so under clear expectations. He wanted both Anne and Anne's family to understand what it would be like if Anne joined him on the mission field across the other side of the ocean. And in a letter, he wrote to Anne's father. You may have heard it before. It's a very famous letter. And he asked for Anne's hand in marriage. And he wrote this again at 20 years old. But he also wrote these powerful words that set the expectations for her father about what he was really asking. He wrote, and I quote, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate in India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps even a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all of this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from heathens that were saved through her means from eternal woe and despair. What an amazing letter. Asking for a daughter's hand in marriage. For those of you who have daughters, I'm sure you're wondering, what would I do? 
to see your daughter no more, to possibly send her off to a violent death, but to see her in glory for the sacrificing work of her job and her duty with her husband as a missionary sent off overseas. There's no cell phones. The only chance of writing every few months together. By the grace of God, her father permitted Anne to join Adoniram. And the two labored for many years together, not in India, but in Burma. And Anne Adoniram, they had children. Three of them died. The first ended in miscarriage. The second died at eight months. And the third died at six months, just a few months after Anne passed away. In uh, 1826, she was just 37 years old. Prior to Anne's passing, Adoniram was imprisoned for 17 months. And every day, Anne would bring him the supplies and the food. So we think about prison here, and it's provided that you would have three meals a day. That's not the case many centuries ago. It's still not the case in overseas destinations today. If your family doesn't feed you, you die in prison. And so every day, Anne would move uh, food and supplies to the jail where he was at. She ended up living while she was pregnant right outside of the jail walls, in the mud, in the rain, where she was having even more difficulty with her own health, taking care of her husband who was imprisoned. Now, even in her short life, she was able to translate a catechism, an English catechism, into Burmese language. She was able to translate the book of Jonah, Daniel, the Gospel of Matthew, into the Burmese language. This woman was working diligently side by side with her husband on the mission field in the midst of these incredibly difficult trials. She was a faithful wife and a fruitful companion in ministry. Now, Adoniram ended up spending 37 years in Burma fulfilling gospel ministry decade after decade after decade. And during that time, he persevered through imprisonment, life-threatening illness, I mean, to the point where he was almost pronounced dead, and the death of two wives and six children. This gentleman was faithful in the midst of trials in Burma in the call that he had for his Lord Jesus. By God's grace, he was able to translate the Bible into Burmese and compile a complete English to Burmese dictionary that helped further translation efforts that became after him. It was six years of faithful ministry before they even had their first convert. For you men that are going to be out there preaching the gospel, getting on the streets, proclaiming the word to the people in your community, handing out gospel tracts, whatever it may be, Remember Adoniram when you're planting seeds and remember that some plant, some water, but it's God who brings the increase. And Adoniram learned this. He learned that gospel ministry, we want to immediately reap. That is not the case. What happens often is that we plant the seeds and it takes time and someone else comes and waters it and someone else comes and nurtures it. But the Lord is bringing the increase. And Adoniram learned that. Six years of laboring, before the first convert of his ministry. Was it discouraging? Surely. But he continued to be faithful. By the time Judson went on to be with the Lord in 1850, 
There were over 100 Burmese churches made up of nearly 10,000 Christians. And today, thanks to his faithfulness, there are over 2 million Burmese Christians. He was a pioneer in every sense of the word, going across oceans to plant churches, to preach the gospel, to translate the scriptures. And in some similar way, we're planting house churches, which is a very new thing to the Western culture. We are pioneering a new way of church. And in a culture that might not be as hostile as that generation, but it is still increasingly becoming more difficult. What I want to say is that you men are missionaries. We talked about this this weekend. You men are missionaries. Wives, you are married to a missionary. That identity might take some time to sink in. I remember when the Lord called me to be a pastor, it was weird telling people that I'm a pastor. It was weird for Veronica to say, my husband's a pastor, I'm a pastor's wife. The identification that the Lord has given you in this journey as a pastor or a pastor's wife will take some time to sink in. And as you know, for centuries, America has been known as a Christian nation. It's been known as a Christian nation. It's America who's been sending out millions of dollars to missionaries all around the world. We have been the missionary sending nation of the world for the past several hundred years. But over the past several decades, America has gone from mission funding to the mission field. We have become the place where we invest our focus. We have sent so many people overseas and we still need to send those people overseas, but it's time to start sending people here as we're witnessing the decline of biblical Christianity here in the West. Now, you might not be going to the jungles of Burma, but the spiritual warfare is just the same. The rising political hostility that we're seeing every single day, it's here. The great confusion in Christian theology and doctrine, it's here. The selfishness of Western culture, it's here. We're sensing it. We're seeing it. In our lives and in our families, we are protecting our children against these things. The depravity of our time, it's being made known. Every news outlet, every day you hop on social media, you see what everybody else is seeing is that the world seems like it's getting darker. And we need the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed. We need men and faithful families and women to be out here preaching the gospel, and we are going to send those men off to do that. As mature Christians, we have to ask ourselves one critical question. And it's a question that I've asked myself several times. And I want you to go on this journey with me. Why in the freest country in the world, a nation that's covered in over 50,000 church buildings here in America, we're blanketed with Bible colleges and seminaries more than any other country on earth. Why in such a prevalent position are we seeing Christianity decline? Why are 78% of the children who are raised in Christian homes disassociating themselves with the faith by the time they're 18? 78%. If faithfulness is biblical Christianity passed down generation to generation to generation, 
multi-generational faithfulness, that is not something that we're seeing today. Why? Why have only two in ten Christians read the entire Bible? Two in ten professed Christians have read the entire Bible. Why? And most of all, why in a country virtually absent of violent persecution do less than 10% of Christians share the gospel with one person per year? If we have a church of 1,000 people, 900 of them will not share the gospel with even one person that year. Now, we might share our faith. We might tell people that we're a Christian. We might have a discussion about Christianity. But I'm talking about biblical gospel. God created you. You're not autonomous. You're under His rule, His reign. There's a law. You've broken that law. You were under His wrath. Without your repentance of your sin and your faith in Jesus Christ, you will perish. Jesus has made a way for you. Put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone. The biblical gospel. Only one in ten Christians are sharing that with one person per year. Why? The evidence is weighty, and it's difficult to explain away. Christianity here in the West, in America, it's fading. It's hurting. It's broken. The Lord's doing something here. Christianity is rapidly declining, which makes us an incredibly fertile mission field. Now, we know that God keeps who He saves. We know that. We know that we live in a time when the church is filled with sheep and goats and wheat and tares and saved and lost. We know that. We know that there are people in the church who came to the church but never came to Christ. We know that there are people who think they're Christian and have never actually been born again. It was Steve Lawson who said, the only thing worse than not having the assurance of salvation is having the false assurance of salvation. You think you're saved and you're not. In the South, if you've ever been there, you have to spend a lot of time almost convincing people that they're not saved so that you could preach the gospel to them. Because cultural Christianity has made people believe that they prayed a prayer one time when they were seven years old and that they're actually a believer when in fact they're actually not. This is part of that mission field. Everybody thinks they know the Bible. Oh, the Bible, I've read the Bible. Oh, Christianity, I've heard the gospel. This is a very difficult mission field here in America. We know the Lord is purifying the church. You can see it. You could sense it. We know he is raising up bold men to plant and pastor churches all over the world. I'm seeing that. I'm watching that. I'm in this world of ministry, and I'm watching the Lord send so many people out all over including here in the States. But what's the real solution to this problem? What's the answer to the why? Do we really need another church building? Is that the answer? Do we need another church building? Because there's 50,000 of them already here. Do we need another seminary? These are questions that I'm wrestling with. Do we need better worship music? Is that what we need? Better worship music? Do we need a better sermon series on motivation? No. That's not what we need. I believe that the only solution for true church revival is faithful, biblical, theologically sound gospel ministry. That's what we need. 
We need biblically qualified men who commit themselves to doctrinal study, who know the word, who've read the Bible, who understand its contents. We need men to be preaching, to planting, to be pastoring, to be reproducing faithful Christian men and women who saturate their local communities with the word of Christ. That's what we need. We've had costless Christianity for the past 150 years here in America. It's fat, lazy, overweight, sitting there doing nothing. I actually remember a friend telling me that they were in the Middle East, in Iran, and they escaped from the persecution in Iran to come here to be in the Pacific Northwest where we used to live. And they said it was more spiritually dangerous to be in Portland because of the lackadaisical Christian culture that's here than it was to be in Iran. They would rather be in a persecuted territory where it keeps them on their toes and it keeps them leaning on Christ than to be here basically wallowing in freedom and people walk by their Bibles 60 times a week and never touch them. We need missionaries here in America. We need men with thick skin and big hearts. If you guys know and follow my ministry you know that I've walked through that journey of thick skin. I've had the negative news articles. I've had the threats. Veronica and I have had death threats put on us. We've had to call the police before. There's things that happen to pastors. Paul Washer's had many more than I have. And there are many saints before us that have had even more. We are living in a very weird time. Anybody can make an accusation about anybody and you're guilty by social media. We need to be living above reproach, walking wisely and very carefully. But we need men with thick skin and big hearts. We need wives who are committed to prayer. Wives, I can't talk about this enough. We need you to pray for these men. It's difficult, but we need you to pray for these men. We need men who find themselves greatly concerned for the lost. We are not here to just disciple Christians into greater Christianity. We are here to preach the gospel. We are here to have a heart for the lost. If you don't have a heart that breaks for the lost, ask the Lord to give you a heart that breaks for the lost. We need men who study. The doctrinal confusion of today in the church is absolutely absurd. We had men through the Reformation who have clearly defined clarity in the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith or the Westminster Confession of Faith or the Heidelberg Catechism. These things have been defined, clarified for us. Most people have never read them. Many people died for them. And most people have never read them. Most people have emotional Christianity. They want a Bible that fits with what they want. They want a God who is how they want him to be. We need men who are willing to study, to come to the truth, to have a systematic theology, a biblical theology, to understand the original languages, to defend it, and to have an apologetic for it. We need those men. We need those men. And we need men who stand for the truth. James Coates, uh, up in Alberta, Canada, who was recently arrested. He went to the same school that I went to, the Master's Seminary. He finished up their doctorate program there. And he went to jail because he stood for the truth. He'll probably go to jail again. And to be honest, 
there might be a time where every single one of us are in jail. It is not a strange idea to think that 20 years from today, what we're doing will be so hated by the culture that we will be arrested for it. We think it's so strange, but it happens all over the world every single day. You know what? The most persecuted people in the world are not black people. They're not white people. They're not Mexican people. They're not orange people. They're Christians. Christians are the most persecuted people on earth. Let's not think it's a strange thing when some fiery trial comes upon us, as 1 Peter says. We are not greater than our master. There are things that are coming for America. We need men who will stand for the truth. And it'll be costly. We need prayer and preparation before that. So that when that time comes, the grace of God will be there for us. And we can be faithful. We need men who are not quiet about false doctrine. There is an infiltration of false doctrine all around us. The stuff that goes on social media, you know what happens as pastors today? When you were a Puritan pastor that came off the Mayflower and your congregation was with you, the last sermon they heard was from you on Sunday. The last thing they heard about God was from you on Sunday. Do you know what happens today? Your congregation will hear your expository sermon. And then they're going to go listen to six different podcasts. They're going to read a book. They're going to go on social media. They're going to have a discussion about theology with someone else. And they're going to come back to your church. And they're going to implement all of those ideas into your congregation. And you're going to have to rectify and correct that theology if it's wrong. We need men who are willing to correct false doctrine. We need men who are not only going to walk faithfully and theologically sound and boldly from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We need men who are going to do that also from 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. When you're at home at night, we need those men to be catechizing their children, to be talking the truth in their home, to be speaking truths to their wives, to be praying for their family, to having an orderly family. You are a pastor of a church, but you are a pastor of your home. The work does not end. I imagine Paul, when he's talking about running the race, he ends tired. Paul Washer says, every day you should fall asleep, and the way you should do so is collapse in your bed. That's the duty of a godly biblical man. It doesn't mean that we don't have hobbies. It doesn't mean that we don't have fun with our families. What it means, though, is that our reigning priority is the salvation of our home and the protection of our church. We need men who have cherished wives. We need men with obedient children. You children in the room, your father needs your obedience and your honor and your respect. We need order in our homes. We need men who are going to pour themselves out for the gospel. We need men who have no plans for retirement, no plans for rest, but who run and run hard until the Lord calls them home. Unfortunately, these men are very rare. They're very rare. But that's the type of men that are in the room right here. These men are incredible men. I've watched them all year. 
Okay, we have our weaknesses. But these are godly men who are fighting at every level to be faithful to their Lord Jesus Christ. Today, these men have completed rigorous theological training. They've committed themselves to plant a biblical house church that plants more biblical house churches. Their timing, it's impeccable. The Lord has them exactly where he wants them right now. I believe that we're about to see a growing wave of biblical house churches across the West over the next decade. I believe the traditional church was the Lord's uh, will for America and has brought many to faith. And when done faithfully and biblically, can be a very great tool for the kingdom of God. But I think we are going to see more and more and more house churches pop up across this nation. And these men are the first group going off. Now, each of them are accompanied by a biblical wife, a faithful wife who, like Ann Judson, found joy being married to her pastor. And together, my prayer is that you and your husband and your families are strengthened and sanctified in the Lord for this work that he has before you. My wife and I have cried many times in ministry. But when you have a biblical house church that's operating according to Scripture, who has sound doctrine and theology, who has biblical elders and ordered families and a heart for the lost, I'll tell you what, it is the most amazing place on earth. It's even more amazing than your family because your family's included in that church. It is the closest thing that we will get to heaven this side of eternity. To be walking out the one another's of Scripture so close with one another with the passion for the Great Commission. It's an amazing thing that the Lord has permitted us and called us to do. Adoniram Judson once said, the motto for every missionary, whether preacher, printer, schoolmaster, ought to be devoted for life. And that's my prayer for you today. My prayer is that your flame does not go out. I've been in ministry full-time for almost five years now. There are days that I go, I'm done. I feel like my flame is coals at best. But what the Lord does for those he's called is you go to sleep and the next morning the flame's back up. And whatever happened, whatever trial, and whatever difficulty came before you, the flame doesn't go out because the Lord keeps it burning. I pray that your conduct does not disqualify you from ministry. I pray that you don't let any moral failures into your home to prevent you from ministry. I pray that your battles are won by prayer and faithfulness. And most of all, I pray that you rely on him. May God be with all of you in this journey. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this group of faithful men and women. Lord, we pray a blessing upon them. We pray that you would give them exciting journeys, faithful journeys. Father, that you would clean them, that you would sanctify them, that you would make them more like your son, Jesus. Lord, strip away all that the world has put on us, wean us from the world, and make us cling to you, Father. Lord, we ask that you would bless us with wisdom and discernment and protection, that you would keep watch over our children and their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is a listener-supported audio ministry of Relearn.org. Our mission at Relearn.org is to bring the church back to the Bible. We achieve this through strengthening Christians in biblical and theological literacy. Find biblical articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos at our website at relearn.org. Our team is small, but our mission is large, and we need your help. If you'd like to support our ministry financially, you can always do so at relearn.org forward slash donate. Thank you again for joining me today, and I hope to see you next week for another episode of Real Christianity.